Um, hi, if I haven't got to meet you yet, my name's David. Glad you guys are here, all of our guests today. Um, today is the first day I've spoken in July, I believe. No, I just fibbed. The second day. What I wanted to do today is take the first portion of my allotted time and just kind of give like a mid-year checkup on the identity of our church, who we are, what we believe, the foundational truths that we hold dear to our heart. And then I want to introduce to you our new series. So, hello, we are Life Chapel. We are, uh, our mission statement is this, to bring God's love to life. We want to be here in this church family, a life equipping center that teaches each and every one of us how to take God into our lives. It's not just about coming to do church. We're not interested in that. But our heart is to be kingdom-minded as opposed to just church-minded. When we live inside the four walls of the church and we leave our faith and our excitement for Christ here, that's not beneficial to the lost, and, and, and it really makes our lives not fun. But when we're kingdom-minded, when we realize that everywhere we go, Jesus wants to be with us. It changes the way you view Christianity. It really does. The, the name, Life Chapel, we chose this name because, A, Jesus is life. And it's a fun name. You know, you can do all kinds of fun stuff with it. Life kids, life teens, life blah, 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 blah. But the reason we chose the word chapel as opposed to church or, you know, just life is because when you look at the definition of a chapel, a chapel is a religious organization adjoined to a secular organization. And it's beautiful, a beautiful wordplay here because in your world, in, in there outside of the religious walls of a church, God is still there. Wherever you go, God's life is still in you. And so when you go to work, when you go to school, I mean, we saw Jesus demonstrate this perfectly. Every time he went to the market, every time he went fishing, when he went on a walk to the lake, when he went to the synagogue, which is church, when he went to church, yes, uh, when he went to weddings, when he went to funerals, he was always, always bringing his father's love to life. That's our mission here, to bring God's love to life. Uh, a few of our core beliefs, and we'll just kind of go quick through these, is the very simply that God is God. There's only one true God. He's the eternal king, creator and redeemer of us all. The Bible is the inspired and only infallible and authoritative word of God. We as humankind were created in his image and we get to enjoy him and we get to partner with him. And we failed as humanity, which brought sickness, death and judgment to the world. But because of God's goodness, we believe in Jesus because he sent Jesus and Jesus was real. He's the Lord. He's the one and only. He's the son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He's God's anointed one, empowered with the Holy Spirit to inaugurate God's kingdom on earth. It's beautiful, beautiful words there. He's truly man when he walked on the earth, but he was truly God. We are saved by grace through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And if you've been with us for a while, you know we really emphasize the person of the Holy Spirit a lot. So many times we believe in the Father and the Son and we fail to 
take advantage of the advantage, as we say here, because the Holy Spirit is our advantage. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because the Father was in the Holy Spirit, another comforter. He's our helper. We really focus on the really awesome baptism of the Holy Spirit as in Acts 1, 4 through 8, Acts 2 through 4, because he wants us to have power to be witnesses to the lost. We believe in the redemptive, victorious work of Christ on the cross that provides freedom for the, from the power of the enemy. And we do believe in the church. The church consists of not a building, but of your beautiful faces. We are the church. We don't attend church. And finally, we do believe in everlasting life. We do believe that heaven and hell are real places as well. Um, we, that's kind of like our undergirding, uh, undergirding, and I'm reaching up top here. That's a speaker's oops. Undergirding and foundational belief system of who we are. But this year, at the beginning of the year, the Lord put it in my heart that at Life Chapel, this is a year of devotion. That's why if you go to the restrooms or you walk in the back door, you're getting coffee, you see that uh, poster that says 2021, the year of devotion. And I want to remind you of what that's about. God wants us to be devoted with our time, with our resources, and with our heart. Our strategy this year is threefold. And this, I won't go too deep, but we talked at the beginning of the year about a blue ocean strategy. That's a business concept that basically um, says that there's no competition. Just offer something in the market and it's, you don't have any competition, all right? So in the blue oceans, our goal to grow this church is to not go get other church members. Somebody say amen. Amen. If God sends them here for seasons, that's awesome. But our goal is to not go get other church members. That's a red ocean. There's a lot of sharks in that ocean, and they're all fighting to get the, 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 the consumers, if you can call it in the business world. But we're not after other church members. We're in the blue ocean. And our blue ocean strategy is focused on evangelism. In Luke chapter 14, verses 13 through 24, we read this, the parable where Jesus prepared the banquet. And the master of the banquet says, go compel them to come. Go get them from the highways. Go get them from the hedges. My gosh, go down to Flat Rock and bring them in. <laughs> we got some Flat Rock, flat rock folks here. Ain't it great? Jesus said, compel them to come. Make them come. So what we introduced to add feet to that this year is our fifth Sunday Evangelism Sundays. Now, I'm about to let a cat out of the bag. I was debating on whether I should or should not, but I'm going to, okay? If you remember our first Evangelism Sunday, we bought like a lot of gifts and we gave away pretty much every gift, um, every visitor who had a gift. Every visitor who came got a gift. There we go. The second Evangelism Sunday, we had our big festival out here. <coughs> Hold on, I need, Katie, I need you on the drums. Give me a drum roll. I'm kidding. August 29th, which is next month, is our next Evangelism Sunday. Listen, it won't surprise me. This is going to be the easiest sell you have ever had to someone who does not go to church, who hasn't been to church in years, to get them to this church. We are going to have a football-themed Sunday because that's the week before college football begins and everybody in the house says hallelujah. 
And we're going to give away four tickets to the Alabama-Auburn football game. Here's how we're giving it away. We're giving away two tickets to first-time guests or those who haven't been here in over a year. That's two tickets. But you ready for the bait? You ready for the good stuff? We're giving the other two tickets away to whoever invited them. Do you feel incentivized to go get the lost and bring them into this place now? The only bad news this year, y'all, is that the football game is in Auburn. That's the only bad thing. So that means all of the good saints in here who are Alabama football fans, you just put your guard up, put on the, put the shield of faith. That <laughs> It's a joke. I'm just having fun. But we're also going to ask a, a local football coach to come and give his testimony that Sunday. So I'm telling you, if you know somebody who doesn't know the Lord, who needs a very good excuse to get themselves into this church, that's a really great Sunday to invite them, okay? And it's all because of the scripture. The Bible says, compel the lost to come. You know, one translation, it said, make them come. I'm spending a lot of money to buy those tickets. So let's make it worth it. Can we consider that as a church family an investment into souls that will be saved on that Sunday? Because this isn't just, let's grow our church in numbers, yay! We, we, could, we could artificially grow the church numerically, but that's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to come, go get the lost. So I need y'all's help, all right? So there you have it. The second part of our threefold strategy for the year is hospitality. We have to be excellent in our ministries. Um, we have to have next mile love in the community. Next mile love. If someone says, will you walk with me a while, a mile, you say, I'll walk with you too. If someone says, will you give me a jacket? I'm cold. You not only give them a jacket, but you give them a, a heater. You know, it's next mile up. And then the, the goal, this is kind of like a funnel, blue ocean strategy, um, hospitality. The goal is discipleship. And that's the third strategy here. We've got a couple of new life groups that are going to be happening in the fall. Um, we already have the, I nearly said it, the classics, which is our older adults. Or we could call you Oasis, older adults still in service. Yeah, you like that one? We could do, we've got that going on, the ladies group. Um, we've got our Wednesday night Bible study, uh, the youth group, kids meeting here on Wednesdays. But we're going to introduce a young marrieds Bible study. And please don't think I'm being rude, but by young marrieds, I mean you're in your 20s or 30s. We're going to have it once a month, y'all, and we, there will be child care, okay? And uh, we're going to start that. I've got a special guest who's going to come and teach that. He's a very... Um, reputable gentleman. And then finally, we're also starting a men's group, a men's small group. And I'm very excited about that as well. Uh, Ron and John are going to be leading that one. I'm very excited. So this is what the Lord put on our hearts at the beginning of the year. But saying that we're halfway through the year, I just needed to refresh you. I needed to re-encourage you. This is where we're going. This is where we are. This is where we're going. The goal is discipleship. But we're going to use some really nice bait to bring in the lost. And we're going to love them. We're going to host them well. And prayerfully, we'll get them into discipleship. Amen. All right. Well, let's, believe it or not, jump into the message. Um, I, the, the message won't be too terribly long. So if you're a guest with us, give me 40 minutes. We'll be done. 
You know, that's always the joke. The preacher always over. Let's just preach. Okay. Question for you. How do you know if your life is good enough in God's eyes? How do you know if you're meeting the job description of a Christian? You know, one of the earliest uh, early lessons Morgan and I had as, as small business owners is when you're hiring people, you, you have to hire them for a job. So we learned the process through an HR pro. You start off with a job description. What will you be hiring this person for? Okay, well, here's the job description. Uh, job skills necessary, job summary, uh, requirements of education, all that. And then after you make the job description known, you put it out. Facebook, Marketplace, wherever. Um, and then uh, you actually have applicants. And when those applicants come in, you know, in the interview, you get to know them. I like, um, uh, what is his name? Anyways, the, the three C's when you, you're interviewing, you look for character, competency, and um, not cohesion, but basically do the culture. Do they fit in with your group? So let's say, here's the job description. You, you interview this person. I like you. You send them the offer letter. They sign. They do all the paperwork. They're your employee, right? So congratulations, John. You're an employee now. After about three months of working on the job, looking at those job descriptions, if they don't necessarily have your feedback on, am I doing my job right? How am I doing? You know, it's kind of like... Um, assessments or quarterly reviews. I'm curious, does anybody in here have to do like a quarterly or annual review for your job? Anybody? Okay, I see some hands. So you get feedback on how you're doing. And if you don't get feedback, you kind of get a little worried because you're just like, am I doing my job? Am I about to get the ax? Am I about to get fired? So it's always good to know, am I doing my job? Now think about it in terms of being a Christian. How do you know if you're doing your job? What is the job description of a Christian? You know, at its most foundational level, our, our job description is to believe in Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's the easy part. It's also very important to know we have to join a, a, a body of believers and help each other be more like Christ, but those things are kind of like more of the mission of the believer than the actual job description. So that leads me to our, our first Bible verse for today. The, the, title, the title of the series is called Good Works. Good Works. Let's go to Ephesians 2.10. I believe we'll have it up here. Are we? Yeah, there it is. For we are his workmanship... Created in Christ Jesus unto, say it with me please, good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. The job description of a Christian is good works. Good works. Here's my one-liner of the day. You ready? It's a mouthful and it's going to take us a while to unpack it. But every believer's faith must demonstrate good works so that God can profit. If God is our employer, we want him to profit. Now, what is profit for God? Souls, obedience, love, passion. We want God to profit. And at Life Chapel, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I preached on, uh, the, we, we, we did a survey of the book of Galatians and talked about how salvation is not by good works, but it's by faith in Jesus, Right? 
And it's so funny. It's almost like one of those ironies of the Bible if you don't study it well. You have uh, Paul over here saying, you are not saved by good works. Your good works are cow dung. They're not going to save you. Then you have James. He says, uh, well, actually, let's read it. Let's jump into today's text in James chapter 2. And we're going to see that it's not good works versus faith. We're, we're going to see that it's working together. James 2, 14 through 17. This is our text for today. This is our main core passage. What does it profit? Somebody say profit. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So you almost have these two contradictory statements. Can a faith without works save me? And I mean, that's what it says in James 2.14. Can that kind of faith save him? And yet you got Paul over here saying, your works are just like, eh, it's never going to earn your salvation. Let me read to you James 2.14 in the Amplified Bible because it does a great job of giving an, an explainer here. Here it is. What is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? Can that kind of faith save him? No. A mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Watch this. Genuine faith produces good works. So it goes back to that statement we say a lot. Salvation is not by works, but salvation works. The job description of a believer is we have to have some good works. I got three good little points for you here. Are you ready? The, 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 can that kind of faith save him? The, the passage says here. What is that kind of faith? Well, the kind of faith that saves us is this. Here's my first point. Faith in action produces good works. Your faith, when it is put in action, that produces good works. Verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, let's stop right there. So this is easy. We don't have a lot of homeless people in our community. We don't, we don't have a lot of that directly. There are some. As a matter of fact, there's a uh, March for Life, which is the Hope Center in Fort Payne. They're working on taking care of those whom we do have in our community. It's, it's really great. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching that develop. But let's say that someone came to you and they are genuinely in need. Like, hey, I don't got nothing. Can you help me? If you just say to them, I'm going to pray for you, brother. God, give him a job. Lord, I pray that you keep him warm today. Keep him cool out on the streets in this hot summer. And Lord, give him water and food. Brother, I love you. Got to go. Bye. Is that living faith or dead faith? It's dead faith. What's, what's living faith? Living faith would say, you're, you're dealing with what? 
Listen, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to go to the store, and I'm going to get you a, a jacket if it's cold, and I'm going to buy you some water. Or if you don't have money, I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to call Pastor Dave at the church and say, hey, who is that guy in Fort Payne who takes care of people in need? And we're going to make sure you actually have help. My second point is this. If uh, The first point is this. If faith in action produces good works, then here's what you can do to start your good works. Look for practical needs because practical needs are open doors for good works. I mean, don't let me, uh, don't let me overcomplicate this. Um, let me ask you this question. When's the last time you did a good work on behalf of Jesus, on behalf of Christ? When was the last time you did something? Well, if you're a part of the Life Chapel family, I'll tell you the last time you did something. Last time you gave money to this church. And here's why. I'm not preaching for money. I'm just telling you how it flows. Last week when the Living Stone was here, we were able to give them money. They're a Christian school, kingdom-minded. They're fascinating. The Father's House. Y'all don't even know this, but I'm about to tell you. They put out a, uh, I guess you'd call it an SOS for some basic living supplies for the girls who are in rehab. I've got like a five-gallon, huge, heavy um, tank of washing detergent in the back of my car this church bought and is going to go take them. You helped us a good work of that. When's the last time you saw somebody in need? Maybe it was a friend or someone you just knew and you kind of did an anonymous. You slid some money in their pocket when they weren't looking. When's the last time you signed up for the church's meal train? That's a thing, by the way. We could use your help. If, you, if, you, if we don't have your email address, would you let me know? We've been feeding two different families this week who are in need. And uh, when the Haynes come home, we'll, we'll add them to it too. So if I don't have your email address, please uh, give that to me. When's the last time you did that? Um, there's an upcoming day we're having. I believe it's uh, July the 30th, where a lot of us are joining with quite a few community churches and Mark for Life. And we're going to go and provide a good old day of fun for the foster kids of DeKalb County. You volunteering for that would be a good work. You know what I mean? Because you're doing it in the name of the Lord. And God asks us to take care of the widows and orphans in their times of need. Heck, even our nurseries and children, um, that's a good work. Some of you are like, oh, good Lord, you got to be a saint to volunteer at the toddlers or, you know, volunteer at the kids' church. I got good news for you. My daughter Addie's not in the toddlers anymore, so you can go in now. It'd be awesome. <laughs> you know, a lot of community organizations have um, food um, boxes. Morgan put out a, 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 a Facebook post the other day for her, uh, for the clinic there. And I tell you, within 20 to 30 minutes, we went from nothing to full. Those good people heard about an opportunity for a practical need. And I mean, boom, the good was working. And it's powerful. We as, op we as believers just need to be open-minded. Look for practical needs. Look for practical needs because when it comes to practical needs, action speaks louder than words. And believe it or not, sometimes action speaks louder than money. Maybe there's somebody you know, money ain't an issue, but they need your time. Time is a biggie. Serving, 
That's a big deal. Let us be Christians who look for opportunities for practical needs. Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. My my third point is this. It's sobering, but no good works equals dead faith. Can that kind of faith save him? It's what the Bible says. So I'm not trying to make us a church where you think your salvation is by faith, uh, by works. But hear what the scripture is saying. Add works to your faith. Add works to your salvation. Maybe life is busy. Maybe you're just so consumed by responsibilities, requirements. Here's, here's, here's something for you. Don't think you have to compartmentalize good works into a 30-minute block per week. Decompartmentalize good works by simply just living life with an open mind, with open eyes. On your daily routines, whatever you do, I promise you, God, if you're willing, will put practical needs in front of you for you to meet. Okay? Look for the small things. If it's a big thing and you need help, call the church. Let's partner together in building a, uh, a partnership where we can uh, just join in giving. It's kind of like they did in the book of Acts in the New Testament church. They weren't socialists. They weren't communists. They gave as they wanted to, but they took care of everybody. If there was a need, they gave, and it was just out of love. Salvation is not by works, but salvation works. Show me your works and I'll show you your faith. Faith is required for works. Works are required for faith. Two weeks ago, we read the scripture. I want to read it to you again in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. Watch this. What matters is faith working through love. Faith works. When faith works, that produces good works. Faith working through what? Love. Not obligation. Not, preacher man told me I got to go do this for my neighbor. I don't even like the guy, but I'm going to do it because God wanted me to. Not out of requirements, but out of God wants this to happen. I love my neighbor even though I don't like him, but I love him. And I'm going to go do this. Do you, do you see the difference? Faith working through love. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hone in on a few areas of, of key areas where I think the Lord's just kind of leading me to take us into as a church family here. Because, I mean, we, we, we could go all year long talking about good works. But here's just a few I think we're going to focus on. The first area is spiritual life. What does your spiritual life job description look like? I'll leave that for later. The next time we speak, I'm not sure when, but another one is serving. This is just the, where each of us serve in practical ways. The, another one, don't think I'm getting weird here, but mind control. What is your thoughts job description as a believer because your thinking controls your speaking your thinking controls your action we have a job description for our thoughts what are you thinking 
I also thought about calling that one, uh, what in the Sam Hill are you thinking? But we'll see if the title changes before then. And finally, the one I'm very, very, very humbled and excited about is the good works of God through you. This has to do with that which follows believers per the Bible. We're talking about signs, wonders, miracles, healings, deliverances, salvation. This is all part of our job description. And I am already praying and anticipating on that day. We're going to see something happen. As we bring it to a close today, literally because I just closed my nose by accident. There we go. As we bring it to a close today, my prayer for you is this, that you begin to examine your life. Not just your heart, because everybody's got a good heart. And oh, you know, intentions are far greater than actions, right? Examine your heart and your actions. Are you producing good works? Our one-liner for the day is, every believer's faith must demonstrate good works so that God can profit. What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can his faith save him? God nor man can profit if we do not have faith and works. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you're not going to leave us confused. You're not going to leave us feeling uh, condemned with the lack of good works, God. It's not about quantity. It's about heart. And so, Lord, I thank you right now that this week you're um, just illuminating in each and every one of our hearts the good works that we need to do this week. Father, I pray that if you, Holy Spirit, would help us in this. This week, Holy Spirit, help us to just be mindful of practical needs in our lives. Father, I pray that our faith won't be dead, but the faith of every single person in this room will be full of good works and full of life. We thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray right now that if there is anybody in this room who does not know you, I pray that today is the day of their salvation. If you're in this room and you just don't even know Jesus, maybe you do good works, but remember, your salvation is not because of your good works. Maybe you need to know Jesus. But I can't make you do it. I can't make you make that decision. You have a choice. If you feel a tug on your heart to just give your life to him and say, okay, Jesus, I give up. Here I am. If the Holy Spirit's leading you in that, with all the eyes closed in the room, would you just lift up your hand so I can see it? Feel free to make eye contact with me. Awesome. If you are the believer who's being convicted because you know Holy Spirit wants you to do some good works, which I pray is all of us, I'm going to pray for you now. I'm not even going to give you the opportunity to raise your hand because it's all of us. So, Lord, we just come to you as a church family. And, Lord, we thank you that you are helping, leading, and guiding us into good works. Father, we know that you walked around your, your earthly life and you did good works. Father, I just thank you that today will be the day that good works opens the door for talks about salvation. That good works is the door that lets the lost see the goodness of God. 
Let the good works be that which even anchors us closer to you, Father. Instead of letting our hands be idle and getting into sinful things, let them be filled with good works, the good works of salvation. And Lord, we bless you for that. And we thank you. In Jesus' name.